Good Sunday morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunshine State Takes. This is Matt McConnell alongside Brandon Carroll. We are back on the air after a few weeks of absence. I wasn't feeling good this past week, so we kept pushing it back and back and back. But I was finally feeling better, so I shot Brandon the text. I said, hey, let's get this show in Sunday. And we got some good news for you guys as well, because uh, between now and the season kickoff on Thursday, we're going to have three total episodes coming for you. So uh, we're probably going to be... Um, having the most workload that we've had since we started this show, but we're excited. We want to grind out that content. We we want to get it out to you guys. We got the NFC North preview today, NFC West preview coming either Tuesday or Wednesday-ish, somewhere in that time span. And then uh, Thursday, the day of the NFL kickoff, we're going to have a Chiefs-Texans preview for you guys. So, uh, you know, we're really stepping on the gas here, making up for some lost time. I'm feeling better. We're ready. Brandon, how are you doing on this Sunday morning? I'm doing great, you know. Uh, I'm excited to get back into it. You know, we, we, like you said, we've been trying to be able to get some more episodes out, but because of your health situation with the headaches that you've been, you know, having throughout the past few days, we decided to push it back because obviously Matt's health is more important than the show. But we're back, and we're going to have a busy week, not just for us, but for Sunshine State takers as well, as they will be listening to hopefully all three episodes as we approach what is bound to be one of the best seasons of all time. I'm calling yeah, it I'm now. Looking I'm excited. For sure. I'm looking forward to it. It's been nice. Uh, I think we'll we'll get into it after the intro for sure, but college football back on. We're watching some games yesterday, watching uh, some some of those games that were occurring throughout the week, that Southern Miss-South Alabama game. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's coming back. Uh, this has for sure been one of the longer football off-seasons that we've had to endure in our lifetimes. It's just crazy to think that we finally made it back to this point, football season. Feed it to me. Let's get underway with this episode. Absolutely. Let's get it. everybody today is a special day here at sunshine state takes because we're covering the nfc north a a division that matt and i both have very strong opinions about matt with the detroit lions myself with the minnesota vikings but before we get into the meat of our show matt what's on your mind yeah man well i sit here on this sunday morning uh having woken up uh from watching college football yesterday you know, it's a it's a post-college football Sunday, and this is the last Sunday of no NFL football. Um, so we're back. You know, we were talking about it right before the intro music rolled in. We had some games on yesterday, some pretty entertaining games, too. SMU and Texas State surprisingly went down to the wire. Um, it was good to see them back, the American Athletic Conference. Uh, Memphis and Arkansas State was a pretty good game for the most part, but Memphis ran away with it. 
And I was actually watching some of UTEP and Stephen F. Austin last night. You know, I was just fiending for any college football content. So I had that game on my TV, watched most of that game. I was pretty impressed, uh, you know, with some of the play on the field in that game. But I just want to talk about, I love the fact that there are fans in the stands. Um, you know, it might not be at full capacity, but there are fans out there. There are, there are people in the stadiums watching, and it's good to see. You know, college football's back. We got fans in the stands. The, you know, the, the quality of the play is looking good. There was some sluggishness, and I'm sure that's going to be a theme for the first couple weeks of the college season and the NFL season as well. But it's just really good to see football back, man. You know, because for the whole offseason, we had been doing these NFL divisional previews and uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's something we ever really discussed, at least on the show. But you always kind of wondered, well, is this going to amount to anything? Is the season even going to be played? Well, we kind of know for sure now that it is. And um, we can go back and listen to these divisional previews when it's all said and done. We can kind of see what were we right on? What were we wrong on? Stuff like that. If the season didn't happen, however, uh, you know, it, it kind of just would have been a little kick in the gut thinking, man, eight episodes only for the season not to happen. But, you know, that's not the case. Football season's here. Uh, it's awesome. I'm so happy. What about you? What's what's on your mind? Well, before I get into that, I want to touch a little bit on this Memphis-Arkansas State game because, actually, the 37-24 to final score doesn't really indicate how close this game actually was, in my opinion, because Arkansas or State jumped up to a 14-7 to uh, lead in the first quarter before right. Memphis came back and made it a 21 to 14 lead or 14 deficit for Arkansas State going into the half. Arkansas State comes out of half, they kick a field goal, 21-17. And then they throw the game away with an onside kick, which I okay, I understand trying to get a little bit of a jump start on the road right. in your first game as a team that really shouldn't even be hanging in with the team caliber of Memphis, but at the same time, what are you doing? It's right. 21 to 17, you have the momentum and you really just flip the field for Memphis and give them the momentum right back after a drive that resulted in points. I just I, I didn't really understand what they were doing there. I, I'm pretty sure right. Memphis went down, scored, and really started to run away with the game at that point. Right. And so, you know, so. It, it, we're starting to see, uh, as football comes back, we'll start to see, uh, you know, those... We'll start to see a difference of plays that we're like, okay, that worked. That, that was a good play call. And then, you know, what's happening with why, why did they do that? And I think, you know, Arkansas State just doesn't have the means, talent-wise, to be able to recover from something like that. And so not getting that onside kick, albeit a surprise and not one at the end of the game when everyone was, you know, expecting it, they ultimately fell short. Not that they were going to win in general, but I think they could have kept it closer throughout the end if they would have just kicked the ball away, played defense, got the ball back, maybe went down and scored again. But it really just threw them off because then that quarter ended up being 13-3 to Memphis. Right. And then, you know, Arkansas State scored late in the fourth. But it just was not a uh, – it was not a good decision in my on, on – my, you know, in my opinion. So so I missed that game. Um, I was I was keeping up with the score. I was trying to get it on. I have a Roku TV in my room, so no cable box hooked up to it. I was trying to watch it on the ESPN app, but for whatever reason, it wasn't letting me stream the Memphis-Arkansas State game. So that's why I mentioned I was watching Stephen F. Austin and UTEP. That's why I had to go to that game. I just needed something to watch, and um, you know, ESPN would actually let me watch that game. I couldn't see Memphis, Arkansas State, unfortunately, because um, you know I'm a pretty 
a big AAC guy, so I try to watch it, as many of those teams, as many of those games as much as I can. Um, speaking of the AAC, I think our first really pure college football game of the season is happening Monday night, BYU and Navy. Um, you know, we've seen some solid teams take the field already, uh, you know, such as some of these AAC teams like Memphis and SMU, but kind of against lighter opponents. I think Navy and BYU is your first pure real college football game of the season. That's going to be tomorrow night on ESPN. So we're looking forward to that. And then next week, uh, you know, some of your better teams start taking the field. You got Miami Thursday night, same night as the Chiefs Texans. Um, West Virginia's taking the field. My guy Sam Howell uh, in North Carolina take on Syracuse next Saturday at 12 on the ACC Network. Uh, Baylor's got a game. Notre Dame and Duke. Florida State, Georgia Tech. So, um, you know, uh, this college football season is going to be an odd one. It's going to be unlike any we've ever seen. But, hey, at least it's here. At least it's getting underway. Uh, and, you know, by the time, honestly, by the time Thursday hits, uh, football is going to be back in full slate. Absolutely. So we just got to make it to that Thursday. Definitely. So uh, that actually is, you know, what's on my mind. Me and you talked a bit about what we wanted to do after our, you know, pre-game show for this upcoming Thursday with the Chiefs-Texans battle. And I'm just excited to watch some NFL football. You know, you're yeah. talking a bit about, you know, college and what it, that's bringing back. And we're going to see two teams in the Texans and the Chiefs who, you know, I haven't been high on the Texans this offseason, but they still have Deshaun Watson. Right. Who and just got extended. Who just got extended for, you know, what, an extra four years. So he'll be locked right. into, you know, into Houston for the next six years because it's he already still has two left on his original rookie contract. But I just – I am so happy that football's back. You know, there was a time yeah. where we weren't sure exactly what was going to happen, that outlook that was, you know, earlier on in the offseason when we were wondering how soon are they going to cancel right. because of all the stuff that was going on. But now, you know, we might not have fans in full capacity, but we're still getting to watch the best of the best compete week in and week out. I think, I think now that I've seen football play – I'm okay with the limited capacities, even no fans. I think now that I've seen it and see what it looks like, I'm just thankful that I've been able to watch it. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's obviously a little weird. Like baseball, I wish would have fans. I'm like, even at some capacity, I just hate watching baseball with empty stadiums. Um, you know, the NBA and the NHL have been a little weird, but I think I just love football so much that I will take it in any capacity. And now that I've seen what the product's going to look like with limited fans, no fans, like I'm okay with it. Just get, give me the football game. So yeah. I'm good with it. Definitely. So I think we're ready to get into this NFC North preview here. Absolutely. And uh, to the Chicago Bears. We're getting into the Chicago Bears who will face off against their divisional opponent in the Detroit Lions week one. In Detroit. So, yeah, the Bears are a team that this offseason, you know, they went out and they traded for Nick Foles to be able to compete with Nick Mitchell Trubisky. And I thought that it was a pretty good signing because, you know, while while they I think they did give up too much for Nick Foles just because of the caliber of play we've seen him at, at his latest, you know, in Jacksonville. He still is a guy that no matter what position that he's put in, it may, may, whether that be as a backup for Trubisky or as a starter, I think the Bears are going to get a lot out of him. And that's just because yeah. Nick Foles is a for, former you know, Super Bowl MVP. 
He's a guy that he's going to control the game. He's not going to make you know ridiculous mistakes, but he will every once and again fall. You know, I, it's just it's hard to explain exactly what Nick Foles will do because he's a guy that's been so inconsistent throughout his career. But at right. the same time, if he go, you know, before we learned yesterday that Mitchell Trubisky won the starting job, we were looking at Nick Foles as if. All right, if he goes in and wins the job, he's better than Mitchell Trubisky, and that's better for the Bears. If he goes in and falls victim of Mitchell Trubisky, you know, kind of getting that extra push to be able to reach that potential, that's great. The Bears get what they wanted all along, while also, you know, looking at it as they have the best backup in the NFL, and we've seen that in recent years with Nick Foles behind him. So I like what they did there. I think uh, it was a pretty solid move, but does it change anything about – Mitchell Trubisky being the quarterback that he has been the past few years, I don't think so. I think he still struggles, which right. is why we have them talking about them first as possibly the divisional losers of the year. Right. Well, you look at the Bears last year, and so c- coming into the 2020 season, we we know the strengths of the Bears team. It's going to be their defense. Um, yeah. They're going to be in games because of dominant defensive play. You know, Khalil Mack, I feel like, took a bit of a step back last year. But I think he should be back this year. I think he should be back in full force, closer to that 2018 version of Khalil Mack that we saw. When it comes to this Bears team last year, where they they faulted was the quarterback position. Trubisky did not get the job done. He threw for a low 3,000 yards and I believe only 17 touchdowns to 10 picks. That's not going to get the job done in the NFL. When I heard the the Bears were bringing in Foles, I really did think that they were moving on from Mitch. I thought they were going to go with Foles. I thought Foles was going to be the guy. Um, they're going to go with Mitch, who in, in Trubisky's defense, I've heard he has looked better in this offseason than during camp, but there's been no preseason. It's been a different offseason. I think we've heard a lot of guys have been looking good during camp this offseason. I just will never be sold on Mitch Trubisky. Um, so during the 2018 wild card game against the Eagles, Trubisky actually played very well. And I, I, I became a fan of Trubisky in that game. And I said, guys, look, Trubisky's not a bad quarterback. He, he played well in that playoff game against the, against the Eagles. Uh, he got him in position to kick the game winning field goal. Parky double doinked. And then he came out and played like trash last year. And I was like, you know what? I thought he was trash to begin with. I don't know why I let myself think otherwise. <laughs> Trubisky's not good. Uh, I, I wanted to see Foles start um, because I, I think I think the wide receivers on that Bears team, I think just mesh better with Foles' style of play than they do with Mitch Trubisky. I think a go-up-and-get-it receiver like Allen Robinson is a type of guy that Foles thrives with. And you saw that in Philadelphia, you know, with guys like Alshon Jeffrey. So I don't know. I wanted Foles to be the guy there, but they're going with Trubisky, which I think is going to lead to another down year for the bears. But, you know, like I said, they have their defense, which is going to be dominant again. Obviously they have Akeem Hicks, um, Khalil Mack. They added Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn got some good money. They got, uh, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson is a force, uh, to Sean Gibson, the former Jag on that defense, Buster screen, Barcavius Mingo. So they've got some names on that defense. And I think that should keep them in some games. I just think, the, the potential of this offense rests within how good their QB is, and their QB is not good. As a matter of fact, he might be a bottom three starting quarterback in the NFL. I fully expect this offense to be a bottom five offense in the NFL this year. 
I don't really see where it improves from last year unless Trubisky takes massive steps forward. I 100% agree. And, you know, with the offensive inefficiency, that's going to result to the defense being on the field right. a lot more often than it should be. And I think we're going to see, you know, we saw the Bears in 2018 really take a step that we were kind of like, whoa, what's happening with this? And I think the Bears have been the recent Jacksonville Jaguars of 2017. We saw them yeah. take that step to the playoffs. We saw them come out last year. You know, I'm not, I can't remember if they started out um, as good as the Jags in 20, when they came out in 2018. They started out three and one, which I think the Jags started out three and yeah, one. Yeah, they started out well, three and one. In 2019, the Bears started out three and one. Yeah, because, okay. And the Jags started out three and one in, in 2018. 2018. I'm saying, yeah, because right. the Jags were 2017, the Bears were 2018. Right. So they're all just a year mm-hmm. removed. And so this year, we're seeing Mitchell Trubisky you know, as the Blake Bortles of this team. And so that's going to result in guys like Kyle Fuller and Buster Screen being on the field, who I already believe to be the weakness of that Bears defense. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to overcome what Mitchell Trubisky puts out offensively. Because if they're not scoring points, if they're not even keeping the ball for more than, what, two minutes possession time at a time, it's just not going to result in a you know, positive for the defensive lineup also, that really uh, brings a very solid lineup to the table with guys like Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Rokon right. Smith, Akeem Hicks, guys, you know, and Eddie Jackson, who's been one of the better ball hawking safeties we've seen in the NFL in quite some time. You, uh, you bring up similarities between the 2017 Jags, 2018 Bears. Isn't it also kind of funny that so the Jags bring in Nick Foles to be that Blake Bortles replacement, and the Bears essentially did the same thing, brought in Nick Foles to be their version of Blake Bortles' replacement. Although in this case, um, the Bears' version of Blake Bortles was able to fight off Nick Foles. I just thought that's – I just think that's funny. Yeah, that's, uh, that's Nick true. Foles is gonna become, Nick Foles is going to become the guy where if a team has a bad quarterback, it's going to be, all right, Nick, you're going to be the guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, I think that's where Foles is at with his career. But, yeah, I, I thought that's another funny similarity between those two teams. Yeah, and it's not even the fact that they lack offensive talent because they have Ted Ginn Jr., they have Allen Robinson, they have a guy like Javon Wims who hasn't been, Anthony you know. Miller. Anthony Miller. Yeah, Anthony Miller. Riley Ridley, who we saw be able to do, you know, some pretty solid things at Georgia. What can Cole Komet do in his rookie Exactly. You know? what, what can Jimmy Graham do going somewhere nah, new well, for I don't think the Jimmy fourth time? I don't think so either, but I'm saying he's going to a different spot right. for the fourth time. Can he put together a campaign we might have even seen? You know, probably, He's definitely not going to put up New Orleans numbers, but maybe even Seattle numbers a few years. You know, Just, just right. enough to be able to suffice a guy like Mr. Trubisky, who isn't really used to having a, a talented tight end like Jimmy Graham, you know, that hasn't, you know, he just hasn't been able to get it going. And so right. I, I just, I look at this uh, team and you know, as a as a Florida Gator, my favorite player is Eddie Pinero, Pinero, or however you say it. He uh, right. he was our kicker a few years yep. ago. So, it's definitely going so, to be a different. Um, we're going to see a Bears team that uh, many people expect to be bad. I expect to be bad. You expect to be bad, and they're going to be bad. It's it's so not going look, to look good for the Bears this take season. Take a look at the schedule. Um, at Detroit Week One, I think that's an L. New York week two. I think they can beat the Giants. I do too. Um, I do too. Lose to Atlanta week three. Lose to Indy. Lose to Indy. Lose to Tampa. 
beat Carolina probably. Um, I don't know. I don't think not. Neither me or you are pretty high on Carolina. No, I just um, at the yeah yeah I because I no. think Carolina's weakness is their defense, right? And I think that the Bears' defense is better than Carolina's offense, even with a guy like Christian McCaffrey. Right. Um, so then they play the Rams. I think they'll lose to the Rams. Uh, this Who's is a four-game losing stretch here. Um, honestly, yeah. every game from the Rams up until the Vikings, so week seven to week 15, I think they could realistically lose every game in that eight-game stretch. That's a tough At stretch. the Rams versus the Saints, at the Titans versus the Vikings, at the Packers versus the Lions versus the Texans at the Vikings, and then they play the Jags. Maybe they can beat the Jags. I, I, don't had, even I had the Jags beating them. You have the Jags beating them. So they I could did. realistically lose out. So say they beat the Giants, and then they lose to Atlanta, Indy, Tampa. So they start off the season 1-4. and four. They beat Carolina. They're 2-4. 2-14? A 10-game losing streak to end the season is not unrealistic. It's just a matter of what games can their defense really keep them in. You know, maybe if we're going to get into Green Bay, but, you know, maybe if Green Bay's offense really struggles, uh, Chicago might be able to take a game from Green Bay. But uh, I just don't know. I am not – I do not have high expectations for this Bears team. And that's a rough stretch. That's a rough stretch for the Bears right there. The Rams, Saints, Titans, Vikings, Packers, Lions, Texans, Vikings, Jags, Packers. Like, oh, I don't know, man. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think? I don't know. Uh, they have the 13th toughest schedule in the NFL. If this is the 13th toughest, I want to see the toughest because the stretch between what you said from the Rams really to the Vikings, I, I would say all the way down to the Packers, but we don't expect the Jaguars to be great. Right. Um, that is probably one of the dip- most difficult stretches we're going to see. And for all the people thinking, well, they play the Lions within this stretch. Just wait. We're going <laughs> to no. we're, we're gonna touch on that in just a minute. But – I definitely think that they lose all of those games. Um, the Jaguars and the Packers, the last two games, are going to be their ticket to not going 2-14 and 14 this season. If they can right. win either one of those games, I think, or both, they can wind up with a you know four games um, in the win column. But this, I'm not high on the you know Bears this year. Right. And with this schedule, I'm really no. not high on them. No way. Um, at least we know for sure that week 12 at Green Bay on Sunday night will get flexed out. Yeah. Because both teams will be mediocre or below mediocre going into it. Unless, you know, the Bears-Packers is a good rivalry, so maybe not. But so, yeah, I, honestly, I agree. It's going to be, you know, a 2-14 and 14 floor with like a four, a four and 12. 12 ceiling it's tough you know it's tough to be a bears fan right now but that's just that's just what this schedule provides for him it doesn't provide much especially for a limited struggling offense unless trubisky really takes steps forward and proves that he can be a legitimate starting nfl quarterback and uh you know this offense just really clicks and it accompanies his defense uh i could see it i, I could see you know uh, maybe winning a few more games, but even then, I, it's hard. I don't really – so much would have to go right for the Bears to even be like a nine-win team this year. I just – I don't see it. I think they're going to be bad. They're going to end up with an early draft pick next year. And honestly, if there's any team that should tank for Trevor, it's the Bears. Get rid of Trubisky 
and go with Trevor. But, you know, a, a lot of teams are going to be in the mix for Trevor this year, so who knows. Imagine imagine if the Bears are 2-14 and 14 and they don't get the number one pick because there's a team like Jacksonville who only wins one game or something like right. that. Imagine that what? team with Justin Fields. The Bears? That would be interesting. That would be an interesting pair, but I think it would be a solid one. Because yeah. they, ha- I think they have talent around Trubisky. I just think seventeen right. and ten is not going to get it done every year, which is what yeah. his rec- his you know what was last year. The year before that, it was twenty four and twelve. So right. really, he's throwing at least half of the interceptions that he has the touchdowns a year, and that's just not going to cut it. Right. That's just you know he's not going to be able to suffice. And if he throws less than ten interceptions this year, y- y'all can have my truck. Like I just don't bank on Trubisky being that guy, you know. So yeah. I'll I'll uh I'll 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 light myself on fire and do a Bills <laughs> Mafia jump onto a table if Trubisky throws less than ten picks this year. Well, that's that's the deal I'll set. So all all the listeners can hold me accountable to that. That's what will happen if Trubisky throws less than 10 picks. And now if he gets hurt for the season and only throws like three in the first game of the season against the Lions and uh, doesn't play again, then I'm, then this, this deal has become voided. He has to play at least 12. And if he throws less than 10, I will light my clothes on fire and jump onto a table. <laughs> Book it. Book it. That's how confident I am that Trubisky is trash. So... Wow. Two and fourteen uh, uh, floor with a four and twelve ceiling. That's what we got for the Bears. Yes. Are we ready to get into the Lions? I am ready to get into the Lions. The Matt Stafford Lions. Let's do it. A team um, that you are very, very high on, but hold yeah, the fifth toughest schedule know. in the NFL. I'm a Stafford stan. I don't know why. I just always have been. Matt Stafford's awesome. He outside of Tom Brady and you know, obviously now Cam Newton. Uh, Stafford is one of my favorite QBs in the league. He's one of my favorite QBs to ever play football. So uh, in part of that, I've always had, you know, some rooting interest in the Detroit Lions. Um, I want to talk about this Lions 2019 season. Stafford was playing MVP level football before he got hurt after week eight, 19 touchdowns to five interceptions. I was on pace for, you know, 38 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. That would have been a marvelous year. Probably, I you know, it would have ended up being a better season than Lamar Jackson, I think. Um, it's just the issue with the Lions is not at the quarterback position, and I don't think it ever really has been. It's just they had trouble closing out games last year. Um, you know, they started the season off with a tie to Arizona. They were up 24-6 in the fourth quarter, and they somehow, uh, you know, they squashed that lead. They blew it, and the game ended up finishing in a tie. Then they won their next two games. I think they beat the Chargers in one of them. Not sure who they beat week three. I can't remember. But then week four came around. They were playing the Chiefs, all right? I don't know if you remember this game. I was watching this game actually not too long ago. I watched the full game. It was on NFL Network. Um, So the Lions defense actually held Mahomes to no touchdown passes. Uh, The Chiefs were up 27-23 to late. Stafford takes him down the field. He throws a touchdown to Kenny Galladay. They go up 30 to 27. And it's like, holy cow, like Lions are about to beat the Chiefs. They're about to be 3 0 and 1. Um, then on the next drive, the, what ended up being the game winning drive for the Chiefs, Mahomes converted a fourth and eight on his legs. The Chiefs ended up marching down the field, scoring the game winning touchdown. Stafford in that game had 260 yards and three touchdowns. It was an MVP performance against 
you know, a team that lost the AFC championship the previous year in overtime and ended up winning the Super Bowl, you know, in that season. And Stafford put up MVP numbers against them. He played one of the best games I'd, I'd seen him play in his career, and he didn't get the win. I think that's been the story of Stafford's career. Um, they also had a game in Green Bay where there were some, you know, questionable officiating calls late. And, you know, a lot of things just didn't go Detroit's way in 2019 Stafford ended up getting hurt you know David Blau came in and uh Jeff Driscoll maybe I I feel like he played some games and I don't know it's just a mess but I I like the Lions roster I like the I like the Lions roster year in and year out first off I love their wide receiver core Kenny Galladay Marvin Jones Danny Amendola um I think their running back room is going to be in improved adding DeAndre Swift I think is huge they have a pretty solid offensive line, Taylor Decker, Frank Ragno. Uh, you know, they got some good guys there, and um, their defense is pretty much just going to be last year's Patriots defense. They brought in Deron Harmon. They brought in Jamie Collins. They have Trey Flowers, and there's someone else from that Patriots defense that they brought in. Justin Coleman also used to play for the Patriots. Um, Danny Shelton. So, um, you know, it's no surprise either. Matt Patricia, the former Patriots defensive coordinator, now head coach for the Lions, is just bringing in loads of Patriots talent. And we saw how good this Patriots defense was last year. And guys like Deron Harmon and Jamie Collins and Danny Shelton had a huge role to play in that. On top of that, they beefed their secondary. They drafted uh, Jeff Okuda. They brought in uh, Desmond Trufant. So, you know, it. I, I think there's a lot of talent on this Lions team, Brandon. I'm going to let you give your take in a second. But, you know, if Matt Stafford comes back healthy and continues to kind of keep that MVP pace and, you know, this defense takes steps forward with all this talent they've added, I don't think we're just looking at your typical 6-10 and 10 mediocre Lions football team. I think we're looking at, um, you know, a second-place finish at least in this division. I agree, um, simply because of the fact that they have Matthew Stafford and they have that quarterback that I know can you know be a legit, uh, legit fire you know just guy that gunslinger I should say. Um, but looking at this schedule, it is the fifth toughest schedule in the NFL, and just going through the games that they have to play, I have them in eight at eight and eight, and that's right. just you know I, I think. That could be enough to be second in this division because of where I think the Packers are going, and it's not it's not up um, because of you know the things I've put on there. But just looking at um, this Lions roster, they have you know Jeff Okuda and Desmond Trufant in their secondary. Uh, they have Trey Flowers coming off the edge. They have guys throughout their roster like Jamie Collins and Gerard Davis and. Uh, just their defense is looking solid. And in recent years, it's been the offense that we've, you know, seen be the star for the Lions with the defense playing, eh, eh, you know, they've played okay, but they haven't been a team that can really beat you up defensively. And now you're getting that along with an offense that before today was going into the season with the guy DeAndre Swift as their starting running back. Now they have Adrian Peterson as their starting running back, right. with DeAndre Swift being a compliment to him, along with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones on the outside, with TJ Hawkinson and Hunter Bryant at the tight end position. 
I believe them to have one of the best tight end position groups in the NFL with Jesse James, TJ Hawkinson, and Hunter Bryant. All really mm-hmm. underrated and semi-young guys because Jesse James, who played within Pittsburgh for, what, five years, is only right. 26 years old. So right. we're seeing guys, and that's not even to mention Danny Amendola out of the slot, a guy that you have had multitude of you know experience right. watching because of his runs with the Patriots. But we're looking at a team that before this season, we've kind of said, oh, their offense will be good because of Matthew Stafford, but what can they do defensively? Now we're looking at a team that says, all right, well, where's the holes? Where, where do they not have you know a, a star player at because of Jeff Okuda and Desmond Trufant? It, like I said, and you know, the only place I see is safety. And really, safety isn't going to be that big of an issue because of guys like Jeff Okuda and Desmond Trufant who can right. kind of play with some of the more uh, the younger guys in the even like even Duran Harmon is an experienced safety. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think you know. Obviously, he's not a. I wouldn't consider him a star. But in my years as a Patriots fan, I can't tell you how like if you see any Patriots highlight of a, a, you know, like a tipped interception that, you know, a pass that gets batted and tipped up in the air. Deron Harmon is almost always going to come away with it. Yeah, I yeah. can't tell you how many times I've seen it. I think I, let me see just off the top of my head. I can give you some examples. So 2017 against Pittsburgh, which was actually the Jesse James game where he didn't survive the ground. Gotcha. Uh, you know, that whole thing. Roethlisberger went for a fake spike, threw it over the middle to Eli Rogers. I think, I think it got tipped up in the air. Um, and Deron Harmon came away with a game-winning interception. 2014 divisional round against the Ravens. Uh, Flacco goes deep down 35-31 to the end zone to try to throw a go-ahead touchdown. I think Deron Harmon even came away with that. I think maybe McCourty tipped it in the air or something, and Harmon came away with it. Uh, you know, it's I'm a little blurry, but I know Harmon came away with it there. Um, Harmon has just come up big in a lot of different moments for the Patriots you know, over, over their um, championship runs. And, uh, you know, he's not, a, he's not a star by any means. There are better safeties in the league than him, but adding that experienced piece, you know, played under Belichick for all that time, even played under Matt Patricia for a while. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Deron Harmon had a pick in that Eagle Super Bowl as well. And that was another one that was tipped up in the air. Um, I might have to, uh, fact check and make sure it was him but i'm pretty positive it was i think Foles threw a deep pass down the sideline uh you know with like two minutes left to go in the half it got tipped up and Harmon came away with it so um harman's made some plays and he's he's been a reliable target so i think just adding that experienced piece to the secondary will help out a lot absolutely and that's something that we've seen from the secondary is the mixture of you know veteran and young obviously with jeff okuda being a uh a rookie and because of that, I don't really see any concerns for the Lions for the first time in quite some time. Right. It was, I like top to bottom. I love this roster. I do too. I um, think this might be the best roster Stafford's had. I agree. I agree that it could, that it, it very well could be because of you know him having multitude of options within the passing game as well as a experienced running back. Right something that has eluded them for years. I think that the Lions have been, uh, you know, even when they were going to their playoff runs with Megatron, they were just a running back away from really, you know, giving themselves a chance to make a run. And 
Now they have one because all day Adrian Peterson has made his way to Detroit after being let go from Washington. I'm pretty sure just yesterday or just two days ago. Right. So he didn't he didn't stop um, to contemplate his career. He said, I'm, I got more left in the tank, and he's ready to put on for the Lions and be a mentor to a young guy, DeAndre Swift, who I saw run yeah. over Florida uh, when I, you know, as at Georgia for three years, you know, and right. so I really like what they are doing so, in um, Detroit. I want to take a look at the schedule. You said eight and eight. I do have eight and eight. I'm gonna go through and let you know what I think. All right. So week one, Chicago is a win. Yes. Week two at Green Bay, they're going to win. Week three at Arizona, they're going to win. So they're no going to start way. off 3 0. No way. They're going to start off 3 0. Um, they're going to lose to New Orleans, beat Jacksonville, beat Atlanta, beat Indy, lose to Minnesota, beat Washington, beat Carolina. Houston on Thanksgiving stuff. That's a tough game. Um, I think they win. Because at that point, what they only, I only have them with two losses at that point, so they'll be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So they'll be eight and two going into it. They're gonna beat Houston, get the nine and two. Chicago ten and two. I think they do lose a game to Green Bay just because Aaron Rodgers always, you know, finds a way to eke one out. So they'll be ten and three. Um, and then I think they're gonna lose two of three somewhere in here. Uh, in this Tennessee Tampa Bay stretch, maybe they they beat. I don't know. I think Minnesota sweeps them. I think Detroit's going to be good. I think Minnesota is just going to be that much better. Um, so I think I think they'll beat Tennessee and then they lose Tampa Bay and Minnesota. So I I I can confidently say they're going eleven and five. I think they go eleven. And, I think they're I think they're good, and I think I think they finally field a good team. Um, I think they're a playoff team and Stafford's going to get him there. He's going to continue his MVP pace. Um, Patricia is going to keep his job alive in what's a make or break year for him. I think this is just going to be the year that the lions finally put it together. I think we're going to see him close out some of these games in the fourth quarter that you don't usually see him close out. And I, you know, I think it's just going to be a good year uh, for Detroit. Now I think it's a, I think it's an eight and eight floor for sure. Um, you know, some of those games like Arizona and Indy could e- even Houston could easily be flipped. And, you know, that, that could be the difference in 11 and five and eight and eight right there. But for the most part, I, you know, I, I think this team's ready to take a step forward. You know, they went out and made some of these big splashes in free agency. They got Okuda in the draft. Um, you know, I, I, and I think we're not even talking enough about got like the impact of guys like Trey flowers in, in the, in the pass rush game. Um, I, you know, Jamie Collins was phenomenal last year. He was an anchor on that Patriots defense. Um, I, there is just a lot of this defense could be dominant. I think, I think, I I just don't really think people are talking about it enough. It's got potential to be a really good defense in the NFL this year, along with an offense where if Stafford keeps up his MVP play from a year ago, you know, they're only going to be that much better. I, I can I you know you went through your schedule and I continue to look at that Arizona Cardinals game and I just think it is asinine that you even said that they would beat the Cardinals. I think it's, I they, think they it is I think one four to six lead to them last year. They had I realize I realize, but I'm saying the Cardinals is not the team that they were last year. No, and to say I just don't think that is plausible. I I I see the Cardinals 
winning that game. I see them losing to Indy. Who else did I have? I Okay, so I went Chicago with the win. I think they split with Green Bay just because of what Green Bay is, you know. I I don't think the this year is, you know. I like Detroit, and I, I have said before that I like their roster. But to say that they're going to go 11-5 and after a year that really was disappointing, despite their talent on their roster, I just I can't get behind that. So Well, they lost every game once Stafford... Yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, I just don't understand where, like, Arizona, Indy, those are really two that, that I disagree with. Like, those are the two that I'm like, I do not, like, I think that they lose both of those games, which already puts them at 9-7. and seven. So let's say they go through the rest of their schedule. Let's say I give them both of the Green Bay, which I think is plausible. Do I think it happens? I'm not sure. I think the first Green Bay is a toss-up. Um, because of how early on it is in the season without, you know, without the preparation that they've had to be able to get to being that, you know, in season team, that cohesive unit. And so nine and seven with, let's say they lose to one of all three of the Titans, Buccaneers and Vikings, like you had, that's eight and eight. So that's just, that's just where my thinking's at, because I don't think they'd be Arizona. I don't think they'd be Indy. And I think that there's a legitimate shot that they might lose the last three games of the season, even if they are in contention for a playoff spot at that point. I don't know. I'm. I don't know if it's my Stafford Stanism speaking, but I. I just like what the Lions have this year, and I don't know. I mean, I think we'll still see Arizona's defense struggle a bit. So at the very least, we're going to see a shootout in that Week Three game. I don't. You know, I just feel like. I feel like whoever the Lions play, they're going to be able to score points, you know? Yeah. And the difference between this year and other years is there's going to be a good Lions defense accompanying that offense. Uh, you know, a lot of teams usually beat up on the Lions defense. And the other thing is, uh, we were talking about it, the Lions are usually always without a solid running back. Now they have three. They've got on Johnson, DeAndre Swift, and add Adrian Peterson, add the experienced veteran workhorse who – Granted, isn't going to be the same player he was in Minnesota. He he didn't even look close to it when he was playing in Washington outside. You know, every now and then he'd have a solid game. But the, I'm, what I'm saying is, for the first time in a while, I feel like there's just there's talent on this Detroit Lions roster, and in more than just one position. You know, it's not like the early 2000s where it's the Stafford Calvin Johnson show and. You know, having those two players there will, you know, make the Lions count for something. But ultimately, they're just they don't have enough to to get it done. No, this team is they've got three playmakers at wide receiver and Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola. They've got a solid offensive line. They got solid running backs. You said you think they have one of the most underrated tight end rooms. They have a quarterback that would have put up dang near 40 touchdowns if he didn't get hurt. He's going to come back and do more of the same. They just added three players from an all-time great defense last year, along with uh, Trey Flowers, who we already know can be a force in the passing game or pass rush game. I mean, they got Desmond Trufant. Um, like I said, Deron Harmon. Jeff Okuda is going to be a great corner in this league. We know Justin Coleman can be a solid piece. I just think top to bottom, there is talent everywhere you look, and it's gonna. I think it's going to translate to the field this year. I mean, this is a make or break year for Matt Patricia. It's got to come. It's got to get put together at some point. And I, I think, I think not only does it get put together this year, but you know, it, it it's going to take him. It's going to take him a decent way. I don't know if 
you know, they make noise in the playoffs. They might be, you know, one and done, but we'll see. You know, I, I think this is the year they they finally put it together. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. I just don't know if that's, you know, what's going to happen for the Detroit Lions. And, you know, I think, looking on it now, I think that they do beat the Packers both times. And I think it's just because I think the Packers need a five to six win year before them to finally realize it's time to get Rodgers some help. And I think uh, that would be sufficient for Rodgers, even though, you know, obviously as a competitor, you don't like to lose, but at some point you have to lose to kind of show them like, yo, I took you to the NFC championship or, you know, yeah, the NFC close to the NFC championship. I can't remember exactly. Last year? Yeah, yeah, they did go to the NFC yeah. Championship. Boston I took you to the Martin. NFC Championship last year and really stunk it up against the 49ers, but I still got there. And you don't want to give me a guy other than Devontae Adams right. when we have prime position to do so in the draft. Instead, right. you want to go out and get my replacement instead of – I'd understand if they already had that established group, but they're not doing that. Right. And so I think as we transition into what is now going to be Green Bay – if that's okay with you. Right, yeah. So, well, let's just recap here. So, okay. you have them going 8-8. 8-8, 9-7. Okay, 8-8, 9-7. So, yeah. I, I agree with you on the 8-8 eight and eight floor. But I think there's an 11-5 and five ceiling in there for the Detroit Lions. That's just me, though. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Yeah. We're I, Now that we've had this conversation and had this debate, Obviously, there's going to be some eyes on the Detroit Lions this year for, yeah, for sure. both of us, and it'll you know, we'll we'll see uh, we'll see who nailed it when it's all said and done. But definitely, for- I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing them go eleven and five. I think I I would actually like to see them go eleven and five right. because it would bring a new face to the playoffs, and I always love seeing new teams in there every year in and year out. Right. But with a unprecedented off season, with what everything that they put together. I just don't see them beating a team like Arizona early on in the season. I don't see them beating an Indianapolis team who we both said that is going to be the divisional winner in the right. AFC South, albeit the AFC South isn't as great as a lot of divisions. It's still to beat a divisional winner takes more than just having a talented roster. Right. You know, you know what I mean? It takes more than just being that team that you look at on paper and you say, wow, they should be good. That right. it, We both look at the Lions and we say, wow, they should be good. But can they put that, what we see on paper, onto the field with scheme and things like that? That's still something to be seen. And because of that unknown, I have them at 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight range. That's fair. We'll see how it goes. But I'm definitely ready to get into the Packers. Um, I'll let you take it away on them. So normally in this, you know, in this series, we've went from the worst in the division to the best in the division. But in this show, we decided to switch it up a little bit just because we knew how everyone was thinking, or at least, uh, you know, how most people would think. You'd think the Bears would probably be the worst just because of the quarterback situation and what they're, what's been going on there. And then the Lions as the, you know, second to worst, the third um, in the entire division because, well, they're the Lions. They, they normally, that's normally where they end up or they end up even worse. But this season... I think the Lions get to that second spot because of Green Bay, like I said, going to that five and six win range that they need to be able to realize Aaron Rodgers needs some help. And I don't think it's because they lose on purpose. I think it's because they lose many games because they don't have those weapons for Rodgers to utilize. If he's thrown to Devontae Adams 
10 times a game, Devontae Adams is eventually going to get keyed on, and they should be already because he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. But looking at this schedule for the Green Bay Packers, I don't see them. I, I think I have them winning six games, and it's they don't win their first one until week four against Atlanta. And Yeah. It, right. it, they just have so many spots, you know, where it's like they would have won this game last year, but they're not going to win it this year because of the talent that they, you know, I think it's a complete opposite change of what we saw with Detroit last year. They were, you know, they were bottom of the barrel. Well, not bottom of the barrel. I don't want to say that because of Matthew Stafford's injury. Um, right. But they were, you know, one of the lower teams in the NFL. And now they've added a lot of talent to put around Matthew Stafford as well as defensively that make Detroit a team that, you know, you should watch out for as both of us. I, I even I said at nine and seven, you should still watch out for Detroit because that's right. that that's an improvement. Nine and seven could still I not so much the NFC as it would be in the AFC, but nine and seven could still be you know good enough for that seventh seed. You just kind of have to see how it plays out. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I, I just think that um, you're seeing a Green Bay team that hasn't added anything new. They haven't been you know active as the Lions and then therefore I think the Lions take that jump over Green Bay and we're going to see them lose to Minnesota, Detroit and New Orleans weeks one through three. They'll come out, they'll beat Atlanta in week four just because we don't really know what Atlanta's, you know, Atlanta is kind of a toss up year. We haven't really seen what they can do. They have a bye week five. They come out back out of the bye and play a Tampa Bay team that we both think is going to be atop the NFL at 11 and five, 12 and four this season. Houston, I think that they can get a win against Houston strictly because Houston um, has runs out four slot R receivers every week. I'm with you. I'm with you so far. Two and three start. Yes, two uh, and three. three I'm with you so far. And then I think they lose back-to-back to Minnesota yeah. and San Fran. I think they beat yeah. Jacksonville. I think they lose to Indy. And then I think they beat the Bears – they lose to the Eagles, lose to the Lions, beat the Panthers, lose to the Titans, win against the Bears. Uh, and I just think that because of that, that would mean that they beat the Falcons, Texans, Jaguars, Bears, Panthers, and then Bears again for 6-10 and 10 on the year. And I don't know if you agree. If you have anything different, just let me know. I'm with you, I think. Okay. Um, I, I, I was looking, um, as I was preparing for the show, I, you know, whatever I looked up on Google when I typed in like Packers schedule, it, it, you know, those first seven weeks popped up and I kind of glanced through it. I saw like, Oh, Minnesota, Detroit, New Orleans, an 0 and three start Atlanta win, Tampa L Houston win. So I agreed. I agreed with that two and three start from the yeah. beginning, yeah. just from glancing earlier. And then, yeah, Minnesota well, it's a two and it's a two and four start two and four. Because, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah my bad. So Minnesota, Detroit, New Orleans, Ten, yeah, right, right, right. So that two and four start. Um, and then Minnesota, San Francisco, they lose. Two and six. Um, they, they beat Jacksonville, but yeah. dude, who knows? Jacksonville might might even play them pretty close. It's in we'll, Lambeau, though, and yeah. it'll be November. Right. We'll see. That'll be a fun game. Yeah. Well, um, uh, Indy, L, I agree. They'll sweep Chicago. I agree. Did you say they're going to lose to Philly or beat I do Philly? lose to Philly. See, Philly, Philly could be a toss-up. 
just because what we only have Philly going nine and seven, so it's not like Philly's yeah. going to be world beaters by any. They're means. not, but I think um, I I don't think it's because Philly's good. I think it's because Green right. Bay is that bad. Right. So, but if there if there are any games on the schedule that are toss ups, it would be Philly and maybe one of the Detroit games. So I think it's a six and ten four with, you know, if you know if Aaron Rodgers is still Rodgers and, uh, you know, works some of his magic and kind of propels the Packers just solely on his own to some wins. Um, you know, there's an eight and eight ceiling there, but they don't, they don't do any better than eight and eight. Um, this is the year where we realize there are some issues in the Packers organization. I think they were one of the, you know, they were not a good 13 and three team last year. No, at all. they had, they, they squeezed through a lot of, a lot of close games. They didn't look good in a lot of games, but they won the games. You know, you can't fault a team for winning. I'm not going to fault a team for winning. They yeah. did what they did. They went to the NFC championship, but it was apparent, you know, um, they were no match for the Niners and the Niners had showed it earlier in the, in the season too. They beat them 37 to eight on a Sunday night. Uh, you know, more of the same happened in the, uh, in the NFC championship. They won 37 to 20. So all the Packers really did different was just score 12 more points. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was evident, and I think when the when Green Bay goes into San Francisco this year, they're going to get their butt, butts kicked again. You know, it's going to be more of the same. Now, we're going to get into San Francisco next week. I don't think San Francisco is going to be the same team they were last year. They're still going to be pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree wholeheartedly. This Packers team has some issues, um, and I think the draft is where we kind of found out that this team was going in the wrong direction. Not that – Absolutely. Will Jordan Love prove to be the wrong pick? Maybe not, but we're not going to know for three years. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, and, you know, A.J. Dillon could come out right away and make plays this year, but, you know, once again, Aaron Jones led the league with 14 touchdowns last year. Why, what really well, – I mean, why? Why would you even try to, like, move away from any of that momentum you already have? And um, outside of Devontae Adams – there isn't a clear number two. No, because this wide receiver group has Devontae Adams, and then they have Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemius Brown, and Malik Taylor. And the one guy, like you said before the show, and Jake Kumaro that Aaron Rodgers actually you know, praised for what he was able to do um, throughout the offseason, got released. Yep. And then, tight end-wise, they have Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan, Jace Sternberger, and Josiah DeGara. And... Uh, just looking at that, you, you see like, okay, none of those are pass catchers. Right. So the only way they're going to be able to even put points on the board is either obviously throwing to, to Vontae Adams or running the ball with three of their four running backs in Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and A.J. Dillon. Yeah, they're going to struggle offensively. It, it's going to be a mess. Bad. It's going to be a mess. And it's, it's a shame because Aaron Rodgers is nearing what probably will be, you know, his final years in Green Bay, and he's not going to be able – to put together some of the spectacular runs he was doing earlier on in his career because of the incompetency of that front office and that co- you know the staff for not getting him weapons and I think I think it's ridiculous. Right. Well, I personally think Aaron Rodgers should leave Green Bay. Well, that's just me. I do as well. I, I I've talked about a couple destinations. That he should I go to Chicago. That would be something. He should that, definitely go to Chicago. It would pretty much be Brett Favre going to the Vikings. Yeah. That would be funny. And oh, Ro- Ro- imagine Chicago with the you know we we're, we talked earlier about how they have you know weapons 
and Allen Robinson and Ted Ginn Jr. And, you know, uh, really Jimmy Graham, who he played with last year, he didn't do great, but at the same time, you know, he's still right. he's still someone to throw to. I think that roster with that defense, Aaron Rodgers elevates to what probably what is in this division, what we believe to be the worst team in this division to a legitimate contender for the division title with the Minnesota Vikings. Even though I still think Minnesota is, you know, the clear cut number one, even in that situation. Well, that's all I'm saying. Like I, I've mentioned it before. I, I think if you're Cleveland and Dallas, you put your QBs on short leashes, and, um, you know, if either of them don't perform, and, you know, and, say Dak stinks it up and he's terrible this year, Baker's terrible this year, Rogers wants out of Green Bay. There's a match made in heaven right there. Yeah. Um, because both Cleveland and Dallas have Super Bowl winning rosters. It's just as of right now, it seems it's the quarterback that's holding him back. I have no doubt in my mind that if Rodgers went to Dallas in 2021, they would be the NFC team in the Super Bowl for Super Bowl 56. Yeah. That's just me. So it's interesting to see. But um, there's going to be a lot of frustration in Green Bay this year. Who knows if Matt LaFleur survives year two? Um, it's just interesting to see where it goes from here, but there's going to be some issues in green Bay, six and 10 floor, eight and eight ceiling. Uh, it's probably going to be a lot of sideline arguing, lots of blowouts. Um, it's just not going to be what you're used to seeing from green Bay. I agree. I definitely agree so, with that. We ready to get into the Vikings. I am so ready to get into the Vikings Close this thing out. I'll let you take it away with the Vikings. I know the Vikings are your guys. So the Vikings are my guys. And I think that this is finally the year that Kirk Cousins takes his team to the Super Bowl. Well, if he dies, he dies, you know. If he dies, he dies. But if not, <laughs> he's going to take the Vikings to the Super Bowl because of the team that they have put together. I think Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson is going to be an elite tandem of wide receivers. I think Dalvin Cook is going to emerge as a top five um He's going to emerge as a top five running back within the entire NFL. And that's not even to say about the defensive front that this purple eat or yeah, purple people eaters, that's the word I was looking for, that the purple people eaters in Yannick Ngakwe, Danielle Hunter, and, you know, I I, oh, I just love this team so much because yeah. of the talent they put on the field. Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Cameron Dantzler, Mike Hughes, Jeff Gladney. Um, Harrison Smith. Her- and the best, the best safety tandem within the entire NFL in Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith. And yeah. there's just so many big names on this Vikings team that anything less than a NFC Championship run is a, in my opinion, is a failure because right. they have so many elite guys. And if Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, if Kirk Cousins can continue to, you know, he had an increased year in terms of production last season. If Justin Jefferson can fill in that role that Stephon Diggs, you know, left behind as the really the number two wide receiver behind Adam Thielen. If Kyle Rudolph can continue to, you know, make big plays like he did last year in the playoffs against New Orleans, if Earth Smith can step up, there's there's a lot of ifs, but I think all of them are attainable. Right. All of them. Oh, I don't I don't doubt it at all. I think I think I think the expectation year in, year out for the Vikings, at least for the past four or five years, has been, you know, divisional round at least you know this should be an 11 to 12 win team i've thought that for the past four or five years especially ever since they brought in Kirk cousins um 
you know, and last year, I feel like they finally showed what they can do in the playoffs when they're firing. You know, they went in and beat New Orleans in the wild card round. I don't think anyone was expecting that. We certainly weren't. I can think back to our wild card shows. We were saying, oh, you know, the Vikings had a good season. They're going to show up, but they're going to get their butts kicked. You know, New Orleans 38 to 14. Minnesota goes in and takes them out in overtime in a defensive defensive battle. So um, if there's anything that taught us about the Vikings is that they're a gritty team and, you know, all, all they got to do is get you in a close game and they're they're going to outlast you. And I, I think we'll see that from the Vikings a lot this year. I think we'll see a lot of gritty, fought, hard-fought wins down to the wire. Um, you know, Cousins is going to continue his production from last year where he put up one of his best seasons yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I like the Justin Jefferson replacement for Stefan Diggs. It, it really makes me feel comfortable with Stefan Diggs leaving, knowing that they turned around and, uh, you know, brought in a wide receiver whose potential, you know, might even be greater than that of Stefan Diggs. And then they brought in Tahe Sharp to, you know, get LaShawn or Laquan Treadwell ended up leaving. And, you know, he never really found his footing. But Tahe Sharp is a guy who is you know, proven he can be a solid wide receiver in this league in his time in Tennessee. So I think that was a good addition. And I, you know, outside of Dalvin cook, they got guys like Alexander Madison and, uh, you know, Michael Boone and Amir Abdullah. So a decent depth at running back position, obviously Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith are, you know, great tight ends in this league. So they, you know, from top to bottom, they just have it, especially on, don't even get me started on the defensive side of the ball, man, with Unique and Gakwe, they are going to be scary on defense. Absolutely. I feel bad for some of these opposing quarterbacks that they're going to have to face. They're going to get hit hard. Um, you know, this Vikings team just has it. So they're your Super Bowl pick. Is that what you're saying? They are my Super Bowl pick. You so, know, and you went with the Ravens. The Ravens. I, I have the I had the battle of the purple. The purple people eaters. Yes, I have that'll been. be. That, that, you know, the Viking. I don't. The Vikings certainly aren't my Super Bowl pick. But if you're if you're going to give yours, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, I think I'm gonna wait till next week. All right, all right. I'm gonna wait till next week because okay. we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna declare our final, you know, everything next week, and then I'll, after I'll let you guys know who I think the Broncos are playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> cough, cough, Lions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just I'm not picking the Lions to go to the Super Bowl. I'm not. I am not picking the Lions to go to the Super Bowl, guys. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, I'm not. Um. But no, I, I really do like what this Vikings team has. And I don't know if you've already looked through their schedule and what you have. I have not really looked at their schedule yet, but I'm already feeling like this should be a 12 and 4 team this year. I have them I as 11 and 1 going into um, December or wow. December 13th. So the second week of December. So let's see. Green Bay win. You have them beating Indy? Yes. Tennessee win. Who do you have them losing to? Just guess. Keep going. You have them losing to Seattle. Yeah, I do. Okay. I, I could see that. And, you know, maybe a week three loss to Tennessee, too. Um, I 11, think, yeah. It's just hard to be 11 and one in the NFL. You no, know, no 100%, 100%. A lot of things have to go right. Yeah. But so let me look. Let me. I'm going to go through here and see what I got. So Green Bay will be a win. I'll give them a win over Indy. I'll give them a win over Tennessee. Give them a win over Houston. 4 0 start. I'm not. You know, that's not unrealistic at all. They will lose to Seattle, I agree. Um, Atlanta, that's a win. They'll beat Green Bay, beat Detroit, beat Chicago. Dallas is – I'll put Dallas in the in the toss-up territory. Okay. Um, 
but I think they can outlast Dallas. I think they beat Dallas last year in a Sunday night game, I think, and I think Minnesota's only gotten better, but Dallas has gotten better too. So I think that, that should be a game that goes down to the wire, back and forth, but I'll take Minnesota. Carolina is a win. Um, Jacksonville is a win. Hold on. If you have them beating Dallas, you're currently at the same spot that I was at. Right. So 11-1 and one with or 10-2 right. and two at that point. But for me, Dallas and Tennessee are toss-ups. So okay. they okay. could be 9-3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's still excellent. Right. That's still elite. Right. Uh, and I'm pretty sure when we did our NFC South preview, we had both had Minnesota beating Tampa Bay. Did we? I, I feel like I might have picked Minnesota to beat them. I can't. Really I think that I, I think that's a toss up, um, but I have them losing to Tampa Bay just because. Okay. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think you know the thing that I think is going to hurt the Vikings in the games that they do lose is the teams that they play um, away from home. I think their road schedule is a lot more difficult because they play yeah. at Seattle, at Tampa, at New Orleans, which are right. my three losses. You know they play a Tennessee team at home. They play a Dallas team at home. So. You know they might lose to them, but I think the road games are the ones that are going to be right. the focal points so for losing to Tampa and Seattle as, or Tampa and New Orleans as well. Yes. So thirteen and three. Yeah, I agree. Thirteen um, and three, and then I do agree with. Uh, I was looking at Tennessee. I think they beat Dallas. I don't think Dallas is a problem, but I do. I was looking at Tennessee as a team that could probably um, pull one out, just because it's Tennessee or maybe even Indian at Lucas Oil in uh, week two, but. Um, hey man, Indy's gonna have two thousand five hundred fans, so yeah, <laughs> better look out for that home field advantage. <laughs> uh, we'll see, but um, thirteen and three with an eleven and five uh, floor, I think, because yeah. like I said, I think those Dallas and Tennessee games are toss ups. But thirteen and three is not unrealistic for this Vikings team at all. all. And thirteen and three might pit them as the number one seed in the NFC, which is bold. It might, yeah. I don't know if they're number. You know, I don't know if this is a number one seed team, but it's definitely an NFC North champion, top four seed for sure. It, you know, it's just interesting to see. Um, it's just interesting to see how which way some of these toss-ups go. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. The Viking, Obviously, the Vikings are no doubt that they're going to contend. Um, uh, you know, I we've talked about a lot of teams on this show. Um, such as like, I, I remember we were talking about the bills. I think we said the same thing about the Titans. It's like, we know these teams are going to be good, but what's that ceiling? You know, how good can they be? And I think the Vikings fall into that category because we, we saw, we saw what the Vikings are all about last year and we know that they're going to be a good team. Can they reach that 13 and three point though? Can they put it all together and get to that 13 and three point? We'll have to see. Yeah, I so. I agree. It's definitely going to be a battle for that thirteen and three, but I think it's attainable, and I think that's what's most important when you're looking at this Vikings team because they bring back. There's so much continue, uh, continuity, continuity. Sorry, I I can't say that word, but uh, that's the word I was looking for. There's so much from last year that we're seeing carry over to this year, which is so important in a year like this year, when right. you know everything has just been so crazy and you know even with the losses of everson griffin i think they i think they upgraded with uh unique and gakwe and things right. like that so um, it's, it's going to be uh a another pretty stout vikings defense and 
if my boy Captain Kirk can put it all together with Dalvin Cook getting the bulk of carries, watch out for the purple people eaters, man. They're it's going Kirk. to take it. I think they have a legitimate shot to not just make the playoffs as a number one or two seed, but make their way into what could be a battle of the purples with the Ravens in the Super Bowl. So who wins a Ravens-Vikings Super Bowl? Uh, I'll declare that when we get uh, to our final show because right, I legitimately don't know yet. So sounds good. Have to and I'll, I'll, have, I'll have my NFC Super Bowl pick for you guys next week. Remember, I'm not picking the Lions to go to Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm not. Like, I'm actually not. Now that I've said it like six times, I feel like people might be like, yo, he's actually going to pick the Lions. <laughs> guys, I am not picking the Lions to go to Super Bowl. I just want you to know that right now. And I'm telling you, like, when when – when our next episode comes out and I literally don't pick the Lions to go to the Super Bowl, <laughs> I'm going to be like, guys, I told you I'm not picking the Lions to go to the Super Bowl. But Everyone's you know, going to be like, before, dude, you said you were picking the Lions. I, I never said <laughs> No, we'll see. Maybe, no, I'm not picking the Lions to go to the Super Bowl. Um, best thing you saw today. Or do you have anything else to say about the Vikings? Uh, no, I don't have anything else to say about the All Vikings. Right, so best thing you saw, let's say, within the past, I don't know, past lifetime, best thing you saw. Have I announced on here that I got into Florida? Yeah. Oh, maybe not on here. Yeah. I don't think we recorded. So, uh, yeah. So, um, as we know, um, you know, or as most should know, I'm a big, uh, I've always been a big Florida Gators fan, um, but I was more than that. I wanted to, you know, continue my education at the University of Florida. And after a year and a half of community college getting my AA, um, I, in, or really just a year because I applied, um, for the spring term uh and i got in already so oh dang yeah so i got into the university of florida after completing um after what will be my completion at the end of the fall term um for my aa and i really basically just fulfilled a lifelong dream so uh that's that's basically the best thing that i've saw today some awesome personal news um i'll be going into journalism recently so happy uh belated birthday thank you thank you um we will celebrate on Thursday night at B-Dubs when yes, we uh, catch the season opener. So we're looking forward to that. Yes, sir. Uh, but yeah, UF, awesome. I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I want to get my AA and transfer over to Florida State. So you'll be there for spring. Gotcha. Yes, I will. Cool, awesome. We got yeah. it. We'll uh, live from UF. Uh, Sunshine <laughs> State takes will be soon. Which is, that's cool stuff. Uh, you yeah. Know, maybe one day it'll be live from UF and live from FSU. Yeah. We'll, we'll just see how it goes, but that's awesome news for sure. I think um, best thing I saw today, I don't know if it was necessarily the best, but interesting. I was in St. Augustine yesterday, and St. George Street was freaking packed. Unreal. It was a, I, I definitely felt as if I was in a COVID hotspot. <laughs> um, it, it, it just felt so weird to, you know, see that many people out and about i mean it was crowded i'm not even over exaggerating you know you kind of step into a place of that capacity and you're just like whoa like it has been a while since i have seen a place this crowded you kind of had to get reacclimated to it yeah Um, a little weird but the way i see it is like we're gonna have to go back into crowded spaces eventually you know like crowds are not a thing of the past it's just going to be a little weird from now on knowing that, you know, what has happened has happened and what's out there is out there. But um, going into crowded St. George Street yesterday, uh, definitely very interesting with all the people that are there. Not a lot of masks either, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, people feel about that however they want to feel about that. That's a personal choice. 
but um you know definitely very odd and interesting but i'm also really interested to see kind of what crowds at places are going to be like as you know hopefully covid nears its end i'm not really sure where we're at right now or what's happening but i think these next few months are going to be interesting in terms of you know where it goes and stuff so uh but at the same time i'm a really big fan of like people you know more so living with it than choosing to be scared of it like you know like covid's out there but i gotta go to the grocery store so i'm gonna go to the grocery store anyways and i'm gonna do this this and this to make sure i don't get covid you know that's the lifestyle that i'm a fan of like covid's out there we're aware of it it's like we don't need these people on social media telling us all like oh covid exists wear your mask stay six feet apart like yeah i know i don't need you to tell me what i already know like i know covid's out there i'm just gonna continue to go about my life because i have things i need to do i know like that that person may choose to sit in their basement and tweet about how bad like the president is and choose to be scared of it. But, you know, I'm much more of a fan of the people living with it. And that's what I thought I, that's what I really felt I saw in St. Augustine yesterday, you know, like COVID's out there, but these people want to go out and they want to have fun. They want to do what they want to do. Uh, so it was, it was, it was cool to see. Yeah. So that's just me. I, I think I went on a little rant there, but <laughs> that's all good it's all good so um we'll be back either tuesday or wednesday with our nfc west preview and that'll wrap up our uh divisional previews and we'll be done just in time for the nfl season um you know it really did take us a while to get through this series but there has just been a lot that has gone on through this covid summer and yeah you know we've tried our best to stay on it but you know obviously things come up and whatnot so um we're finally inching through we're chugging along we're getting to the finish line and you know we're just really excited for football season man. absolutely we're, we're so excited we cannot wait we cannot wait for thursday it's going to be a great day i personally always think that the nfl kickoff should be a national holiday but um let's just get there i'm going i'm looking forward to eight o'clock on thursday 100 it's going to be it's going to be a good game and uh hopefully a good season yeah all right, man. So, so I think that covers it for today. Absolutely. You got anything else? Uh, thank you all for listening, yeah. and we'll see you next time. We'll see you soon. A couple days. <laughs>